Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. You gotta give us a shot. You know what? You gotta give us a shot. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Clapback Sports. I am your host, The Mage. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Murph. Murph, say what's up to the people. What's going on, my people? Tino, what's good? Mr. Mage, I hope you've uh, calmed down since our last episode. Tino, what's up, Tino? How are you? I hear that you're, you might be questionable for this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I, I actually think I'm headed to the IR, but it's all right. Um, I'm, I'm able to perform. It's just coaches trying to hold me out. All right. So we are here to actually bring you a preview of this week's upcoming matchup between the New York Giants and the Chicago Bears. So we are joined by a jack of many trades, Mark Bergen. Uh, Mark, what's going on, man? Fellas, thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm amazed that you decided to have me on again, considering what happened on Monday night between the Steelers and the Giants. You know what, Mark? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to let you slide. Only reason why that you're even here today is because you're an actually a Bears fan. So if I was you, I wouldn't be laughing at anyone too much, all right? He's trying to go 2-0. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're 1-0, oh, man. Yeah. Lifelong yeah, but- Bears fan, yep, yep. But the Bears are still a joke anyway. Um, they got by pretty uh, pretty luckily on that. Anyway, Mark, uh, so you did mention the Believe uh, in Steelers podcast, which we were on. So I think this might make you our most appeared guest. I'm not sure. Murph, is that true? This is his third appearance. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Mark, welcome. I, I think you just hit a milestone here on Clapback Sport. So... And we're probably going to have you back because you also covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we also play this year. And yeah, fuck yeah. We love Browns. using you, man. Love so, using you. I mean, so you got the Browns, Steelers, uh, Bears, and who are the Bucks. So you only got 28 more teams to cover. <laughs> Thanks for having me, you guys. I appreciate it. But yeah, the Believe in Steelers podcast, I host that with Ike Taylor. He's a 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, also a two-time Super Bowl champion. And so host that for the Believe Podcast Network. And then I'm also helping BrownsNation.com, and I host the Browns Nation Station podcast for them. So we're just getting that up off the ground there. So you can check us out wherever you get your podcasts. But, guys, thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, we appreciate you doing this. So let's get right into it, right? We started talking about mediocrity. So let's talk about the quarterback play here in Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> God, I hate that guy so much. He, he's the definition of mediocrity. Uh, Tino has a soft spot for him. I don't. So My spot isn't that soft for him. Mark, why don't you help explain to them that Mitch was going to start more games than Nick Foles, regardless of how great Foles did in training camp, because if you don't start with Mitch to start the season, there's no way you can bring him back in later in the year. There's just impossible. There's just no way you can't start the season with Mitch as your starter. Well, before we get too far in the weeds, fellas, let's start with this. How different would our conversation be tonight had Lions rookie running back DeAndre Swift held on to what would have been a game-winning catch against the Bears in week one? So let's start there. Now, no doubt Mitch had a great fourth quarter. He went 8 of 10, 89 yards passing it, three touchdowns. But If you looked at the first half of this game on Twitter, he was getting absolutely roasted, people calling for Nick Foles already. And it just seems like whoever the Bears start this season, at some point the other guy is going to come in. You've got Nick Foles, who you trade for from Jacksonville, and you're paying him $8 million a year to sit on your bench. Now, when you want to go to Trubisky's play against the Lions, pro football focus Trubisky finished week one with the second highest rate of positively graded passes, but he also finished with the third highest rate of negatively graded passes as well. So it was kind of the tale of two halves for Mitch against Detroit in week one. So what's Mitch going Trubisky on with- has to be the only quarterback that's able of accomplishing something like that. <laughs> And remember Jeff Okuda did not play the rookie 
cornerback out of Ohio State. And this is really a Lions defense that has struggled since Darius Slay left for Philly. But the Bear is able to pull it out on the road in Detroit by the skin of their teeth. And uh, now we're headed to week two, Bears-Giants uh, on Sunday. I have one more stat for you guys in my research for tonight's pod, too. This was how improbable the Bears' victory was on Sunday against Detroit. The Lions became the fourth team since 2006 to blow a 17-point lead entering the fourth quarter. Teams in that span had been 779-3, in three, so they had a 99.6% winning percentage, and the Lions really blew it. And we'll get into it, but week one was just honest honestly as a Bears fan I was watching that game and it we're now several days after the fact it's now Wednesday and I'm still scratching my head wondering how in the world the Bears won on Sunday well I think it's also interesting to note that your defense I mean we've been talking a lot about the offense but your defense against a Detroit team that didn't really have Kenny Galladay yes you know they have playmakers. Hawk had a good game. They have AP bulldozing people over, but, you know, nothing too crazy. And yet your D kind of got roasted. Uh, the, the Detroit Lions offense did not have an issue running against this uh, Bears defense. So what are your thoughts on that? Was that a shell of itself? 426 yards exactly to a Lions offense where Matt Stafford's missing his top target in Kenny Galladay. It's a great point, Tino. Now, we don't know what this defense will look when Robert Quinn returns to the field, a guy, a huge offseason acquisition for this Bears team, but also a guy who has struggled with injuries throughout his career. But also remember, too, the Bears are missing interior lineman Eddie Goldman. He opted out of the 2020 season. So, yeah, you still have Akeem Hicks up front. Yeah, you still have Khalil Mack. But it was troubling to see this Bears defense, which has been dominant at times during the past two seasons, and especially in 2018 when the Bears made the playoffs. We've seen that this defense can dominate, but really it had been the offense that has struggled. But We'll see what happens in week two. But again, I'm really curious to see, okay, what improvements do you make from week one to week two? And then is Robert Quinn going to play as well? Because he was that big offseason acquisition that the Bears made on the defensive side of the football. So the one thing that we or that the Bears have been known for is their pass rush, right? They have Khalil Mack on that defensive side of the ball. The one thing that we saw from the Giants in that Monday night game is that that Giants front four got after Big Ben as well. So what are we expecting out of the quarterback play? How do you think they're going to handle the pass rush? Well, I'll say this in terms of the Giants offensive line is that the Steelers are going to make a lot of offenses look pedestrian this season. When you have Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, and Bud Dupree getting after the quarterback, stopping the run, this was a dominant defense. A team, the Steelers, went 8-8 eight and eight a season ago, and this is a stat I always go back to. They were a 500 team, and the Steelers' offense, the team did not put up more than 27 points in a single game during the 2019 season. They were still a 500 team. So the defense for the Steelers picked off from where they were last year a season ago, and you look at pro football focuses grades of the giant starters on the offensive line. And when your rookie left tackle is the highest graded among those players, it is a bit head scratching. Uh, I, I would expect the giants to try to establish Saquon Barkley early on in this game. It 15 carries only six rushing yards against Pittsburgh. That's not going to get it done. But I will say this though, too, the Steelers are known to do that. And we had talked before the game, fellas, we knew the Steelers were going to try to take away Saquon and make Daniel Jones make those throws on the outside. He was able to do that with uh, a slight in your receiver. But again, the Steelers defense is going to do that to a lot of teams this year. We'll see with the Bears. I, I'm really curious to see what this defense looks like because the defense has been the strong point of the team for the last few years, really since Matt Nagy uh, came over from Kansas City. And so, what I'm curious about is the Bears offense did look better and they were able to run the ball in week one against Detroit, which has been a problem last year. But 
is that defense starting to get older? Or are they starting to age? And is that window of opportunity when the Bears made the playoffs two years ago? And fellas, the thought process headed into last season in Chicago was, let's fix the kicker problem with Cody Parkey. We're going to get a kicker and we're going to go win the Super Bowl. Clearly, that did not happen a season ago. You can talk about quarterback play all you want with Trubisky, but the team did not run the ball last season at all. Now, they did that in week one against Detroit, averaging more than five yards per carry on the ground. Last season, the Bears, 3.7 yards per carry last year. That was 28th in the league. 91 rushing yards per game. That was 27th in the league. If they can establish the run with David Montgomery on the ground, that is also going to help this defense too because you keep the offense on the field. You don't wear your defense out with, from, the, from a time of possession standpoint. And, everyone in, and so it's amazing because a lot of people, they want to get Trubisky on the run. They want to get him in a no-huddle situation where he can just react and play. If you do that and you're not converting first downs, you burn your defense by keeping them out on the field for way too long. So it's kind of a long answer for you guys, but it just shows you how this team needs to play complementary football from an offensive and defensive standpoint, just because if you keep that defense out on the field too long, we saw what happened a season ago with the Chicago defense. So to touch on your point, um, I think the biggest difference, and this is from an outsider's perspective, over the last two years, compared to where the Bears are now, I just think that defensive coordinator presence in Vic Fangio to Chuck Pagano has just been it's just been a big difference. I, I think the whole chemistry that you know Fangio brought to that Chicago defense, the exotic blitzes, the crowd, the line of scrimmage, just really mixing things up and just thinking on the fly was just so unique. And then when you have a piece like Khalil Mack, it just complements you know, a, a strong defensive mind like Fangio, whereas Pagano now, from what I've seen so far, he's kind of like, we have these guys up front, we have Hicks, we have Khalil, we're just going to come at you and beat you, but that didn't work so well against Detroit, you had one sack, and now, if you want to talk about, you know, the Steelers defense, yeah, you have Bud Dupree, you have TJ Watt, those interior D tackles, but they had all those guys they could have beaten us with four, but they, they kept sending guys, they kept sending guys, so now, if I'm Chicago and I'm their defense, I'm watching that tape, and I think that's the biggest change they got to make. I think they got to switch things up. I think they got to send some nickel blitzes. I think they got to confuse this Giants offensive line to Saquon Barkley to our tight ends to really step up and have them, you know, dictate how this game in terms of pass rush is going to go. I think our O-line can react to it well enough. I know we had a tough time with that Steelers D, but if I'm the Bears, if they don't mix things up and decide to throw some unique exotic blitzes out there, I'm just not too worried about them after seeing what they did, uh, what they did against Detroit. I'm glad you mentioned that too, Tino, because I miss Fanny Pack Fangio as the Bears defensive coordinator. But what I can tell you is this too, if you look at the turnover numbers in 2018 compared to 2019, that did not translate over from when they were turning the football over left and right and then compared last year hardly happened at all and a guy I think of is Eddie Jackson he gets the bag he gets paid and his level of production at least in terms of interceptions and turning the ball over we know what winning the turnover battle does for teams in terms of wins and losses and that was something that this team did not do a year ago compared to when they made the playoffs in 2018. So if I heard you correctly Tina you said that the key to the Bears winning in the game is make Saquon block. <laughs> or, or make Evan Ingram block, one or the other. But okay. really just, to me, they got to get those other guys involved. Khalil Mack, to me, is going to draw the double team. A, a big thing, here's a strength that the Steelers have. Their D tackles are so strong that they're going to take the double teams and their D ends in Watt and Dupree get double-digit sacks because it's one-on-one on either side. Now, without Goldman, Akeem's going to take one of those double teams, but you're ideally still going to try to double up Mac. So if you don't bring any other pressure and those two guys get covered, it's just going to be hard for the Bears with who they have right now to really get pressure any other way unless their DC decides to switch things up. Well, that's the way the Steelers got pressure on us, those two positions. So, you know, I'm not going to put it past them. I mean, we're going to want to get Saquon going. There's no doubt about that. We're going to keep trying, and they're not going to give it up. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. This is an interesting matchup all overall. I have no idea still. Neither team has an identity, in my opinion. Um, like, it's so different talking to a Bears fan about the game now than just looking at the box score, seeing Trubisky at three TDs. Because to me, I would have been like, oh, he had a decent day. But it sounds like you guys kind of disagree a little bit. So you guys are going to have to make Danny beat you too. Um, I don't think the, the Steelers tested him enough the other night, and they definitely didn't hit him enough. Well, Murph, staying with that, so do you think that the Giants are going to be able to get this one game going against this Bears defense? I, I mean, it's so hard to answer. Because I, I, I want to say no, but I know they're going to keep trying, so it's going to pop eventually. Jason Garrett's not going to abandon the run like, like Pat Shermer did. We know that's not going to happen. So it's going to keep happening, and Saquon's bound to pop something, but it might not get going. You'd have to figure you're going to do better than six yards rushing when Ben Roethlisberger in his first game back from a season-ending injury a year ago outrushes Saquon. Fellas, this is – Add this to the list of reasons why I stopped playing fantasy football because I saw that stat and I still can't believe it. But uh, Murph, I wanted to ask you a question. We had gone back and forth on Twitter a little bit about this. It sounded to me like you were starting to warm to the idea that the Giants need a Robin to Saquon Barkley's Batman. I was just curious about your thoughts about that. It's interesting. You guys said it the other last week on the other episode, and uh, then I see Tiki Barber kind of throwing those those comments out there, and it's interesting, man. I mean, it's it's a it'd be a really hard situation for us to get a, a Robin just because we know we're going to have to pay Saquon or he'll just walk. Now, if we can find another block back off the street that can come in and do that, well then Saquon's not going to be in the backfield. But then again, that's going to give away kind of what we're doing. Now, I am excited for Rod Smith. Um, we signed him a couple weeks ago. We had him last year. He's, I believe he played a little fullback for Jason Garrett as well. Um, so, I don't know, man. Somebody's going to have to come in and do it. I don't see the Giants doing that. But um, in my GM head, in my Twitter, Twitter armchair GM uh, brain, I, I don't I disagree with you guys, man. It's just – Saquon's gone if that happens. Yeah, is that so? In the eyes of Giants fans, Saquon is Superman. He's not Batman, right? Mm. So, I mean, he a lot of fans, and I'm sure Saquon himself does not want a Robin, right? He wants to be Superman. He doesn't want to be Batman. One, if all of a sudden it comes out that Saquon is nothing without a bruiser picking up those hard yards or two, three yards that they need to get the extra additional first down, kiss his payday goodbye. Because guess who doesn't need that? Zeke doesn't need that. Christian McCaffrey doesn't need that. So the payday that he was seeking is all of a sudden out the window. Now Saquon, who was this top-graded prospect that we haven't seen in centuries, all of a sudden becomes a mediocre running back. And let me tell you, there are plenty of Giants fans that are just chopping at the heels, just hoping that that happens. So there's a lot of people that don't want to see it happen. But, hey, man, I agree with you. I mean, we had, it, there was a SeaWorld that came out this year. He ended up on the Cowboys. He would have been a perfect addition to Saquon Barkley to pick up those hard yards in between uh, the tackles, something that Saquon has problems with. He wants to constantly bounce the ball. He needs to just he needs to pick a gap and he needs to go with it. Now, I've been harsh on him the last two days, as you can tell, and you, you mentioned no excuses. No excuses, but I still believe in Saquon no matter what. Evan Ingram may be a little different, but uh Saquon, he's gonna get a fix, and Joe Judge is the guy to get that fixed. He's just he like has to. I don't I don't it's it's getting our fucking quarterback crushed. And you know what? I know that he came in only one year before, but you know what? That's what he's there to. That's part of his job, and that's how you get the Brinks truck. You got to be a complete back. And one of our boys said it earlier. I don't know if I want to say this, but he said he was a pretty boy a little bit, and he needs him to get down in the dirt and get a little dirty. And, I mean, that's a good way to look at it. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I agree, but you got to get down and dirty, man. You got to fucking make some blocks. If you look from a statistical standpoint, you guys aren't wrong about Barkley in week one. Six yards rushing. It's tied for the second fewest yards by any player with 15 rushes in a game since the 1970 merger, and it was the second fewest rushing yards of Barkley's career, of his career. 
Now, Mage, I thought you said something interesting about those other guys who are their respective Supermans for their respective teams. At the same time, Superman has kryptonite. So, you know, at some point you need some help. Um, I've, I've seen, I, I'm a huge proponent of the two-headed monster in the backfield and you can play whichever guy's fresh. You can have two guys whose, comp, whose skill sets complement each other and you might have a guy who's more of a speed guy, more of a quick guy, and then you might have a guy who's more of a power back and can, who can pick up the, the, the difficult and tough yards on the interior. And so if that helps lighten the load, if that helps your team win, that's all I'm saying there. Hey, look, you're not telling Giants fans anything new. We had earth, wind, and fire, and then we had thunder and lightning during our two Super Bowl runs. Yeah. So, Tino, Ged, I know you have some points that you want to make. Well, on the thunder and lightning and earth, wind, and fire thing, I think a lot of running backs take pride in trying to be these three-down back, you know, fantasy studs and, like, the Zeeks and everything. And I know we took Saquon, too, but – if you ask anyone, having two running backs that can really do it all, ask the Pats, ask the Eagles when they had success, even the Steelers, those are teams that have multiple running backs that do different things to complement each other. It's just a way to win football games. But I understand when you take a running back too, you expect him to do everything. What I was going to know is, since you guys were talking about Barkley and we're trying to compare you know, what we're expecting out of him and the Giants in general, I just pulled up the game from last year. Um, in Chicago, it was a 1914 game. Really, I was looking at Barkley's numbers. I thought what was interesting is he only had two receptions in that game. He had 17 carries for 59 yards, so not stellar, only three and a half yards a carry. Um, so based on that, it doesn't sound like it was too successful. And after looking at it, one thing I did notice, and I wouldn't be surprised to see, is maybe we see Danny run the ball a little bit against the Bears. He only ran the ball against the Steelers in that – essentially 19 minute or 19 play marathon drive and he extended plays with his legs and converted third downs now I know they want to get the ball out of his hand quickly but if you can't get Saquon going I'm just noting that Matthew Stafford last week had five carries for 23 yards and if you can't tell me that Daniel Jones can't do better than that he a thousand percent can last year he had two carries for 20 yards against them again sure those are probably scramble plays where he extends and gets a first down on them but my point is yes they're going to be Barkley in the run game into the ground as much as possible but don't forget Danny has that option in his back pocket I know it's not the Jason Garrett style offense we're used to but we have yet to see Danny's legs really get utilized and I think if we see this run game get stagnant early on don't be surprised if uh, Danny Jones starts to use his legs a little bit more in that running game to build on that point too it's who can Daniel Jones go to as an outlet Certainly Darius Slayton showed flashes in week one. He had two touchdowns. But if the team stacks the box to stop Saquon, who is that guy? What's the Giants counter to that? And that's something I'm looking at in week two. Well, so, I mean, I'm looking at this box score as well. Murph's going to love this. The man who ate the most in this outing against the Bears from the Giants side, Slayton did well. He led the team in receiving. Caden Smith tied for the most receptions. Five receptions. 17 yards and a touchdown. We have had a lot of troubles with Evan Ingram as of late. We are all aboard the Caden Smith train since last year. Mage knows that. And I would not be surprised if we, you know, see a little Caden Smith touchdown. So any of you listening out there and want to sprinkle a little money on that prop bet, consider it. Consider it. You heard it here first. I still think they're going to roll with Ingram again, man. Hey, listen. I, I hope they don't, but I, I – Two, I still, two I, tight end sets, three tight end sets. I mean, they yeah, do yeah. run that. He's going to yeah. be on the field. Need to get him the ball, that's for sure. The dude is fucking underrated. That's One more drop by Evan Ingram. If he drops that first pass again, it's a wrap. <laughs> that's a dump. All right, so we have to be kind to our guests here. I know we've been talking a lot about the Giants. So, Mark, tell us what is the keys to the victory on the ground game for the Bears coming up, right? So, Monty, we saw – we know he was doing a little bit of a brain injury, but he did play – so what is this going to look like this week against his Giants front between Monty Cohen and uh, Patterson? It's establishing him in his second year. This is a guy who struggled as a, uh, as a rookie behind a bad offensive line. And Bears fans know this all too well. We're in the seventh year of Charles Leno Jr. as our left tackle. But what I can tell you about him is at least he stayed on the field. He plays 16 games almost every single year. But it's absolutely vital to establish Montgomery because Tariq Cohen, the team's other running back, is used more as a scat back, sometimes used in the slot. He needs space to operate. 
Also, the same thing with uh, Cordero, Par- Cordero Patterson, who is a very talented player, especially as a return man. But this is a guy who the Bears are using in the backfield this season. If you can get him in open space, he's very talented. But offenses have struggled to do that with him, dating back to his days at the University of Tennessee. So he's, you know, he's, a, he's a great athlete, but if the Bears can run the ball like they did against the Lions, I think that is absolutely huge. We don't need to litigate all of Mitch Trubisky's problems, but last season, this team did not run the football. And so as much as quarterback play has been a problem for the Bears, dating back to, I don't know, Sid Luckman, uh, you know, the Bears, they need to run the ball and establish the run, and then that opens up everything else in the passing game with Mitch Trubisky. And so... You've got to get Montgomery going. I'm happy he looks to be okay from that groin injury. That was a concern that I had going into this season because it's like, this guy struggled enough as a rookie. This is the last thing that he needs. The Bears didn't sign anyone, though, too, so maybe that groin injury wasn't as bad as we maybe initially thought it might be. But again, if they can average five yards per rush on the ground, that is a huge upgrade compared to 3.7 a year ago. And so, again, they've got to get Montgomery going, though, because, again, Cohen is a scat back. He's 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, He's not that tall. So you really – Montgomery's production is something that's going to be absolutely vital for the Bears from an offensive standpoint in 2020. Well, you talked about fantasy. So owning David Montgomery last year, it was frustrating to see him break off a 40-yard run and then not touch a ball again for (laughs) another two quarters. So, I mean, that was mind-boggling. And you thought that they would be better at it, given that Nagy came from KC. And, you know, he came to the Bears fresh off of Kareem Hunt's uh, season. So you thought that they would utilize David Montgomery a little more the way that they did Kareem Hunt. And, it just never seemed to come to fruition. So I, I, as a Giants fan or a fantasy player, I'm still not sure what the Bears have in David Montgomery because I don't think we've seen it yet. I think the biggest thing, too, to add on to that is I thought that the team was going to make major upgrades on the offensive line in this offseason. They didn't do that. But what they did do is at one point it seemed like they had half the tight ends in the league on their roster. You know, guys, I'm still recovering from the Adam Shaheen era. He's now a member of the Miami Dolphins. But the team brought in Jimmy Graham, and then they drafted Cole Komet out of Notre Dame as well. So they've got two tight ends now that they trust that, okay, can be effective pass rushers, but can also help in the running game as well. And this is something that Chicago Tribune Bears beat reporter Brad Biggs has detailed quite a bit is the team used multiple tight end sets in week one against Detroit, something that they didn't do a whole lot a year ago because they didn't have the personnel to do that. Now they're using more multiple tight end sets. It wasn't something that they did as much later in the game facing a double digit deficit, but I like how the Bears have used their tight ends in week one at times, and I would like to see them continue that because, okay, if you want to run the ball, they can help that offensive line. They can help chip a defensive end, uh, you know, if, if, if on a passing play. They can help in the run game, but then they can also get these guys going from a passing standpoint as well. You get the best of both worlds with some of these multiple tight end sets that they use. So – since Mage mentioned fantasy and we're talking about running backs, I've been curious about what his statistics actually were. So while you guys were talking, I decided to compile them. Tariq Cohen is a flex play for me this week, and I'll tell you why. He loves going off against the Giants. How much off? I'm glad you asked. In two games, he has 19 receptions, 185 receiving yards, and a passing touchdown. So do the math on that, but that is well over the regular average of a top 10 RB in fantasy. So I like Cohen, whether he's a scat back or in the slot. To me, I just feel as if he would be the better play, especially against a Giants team that, if I'm being honest, even out of the slot, yeah, we have Logan Ryan, but I feel like Cohen is kind of a makeshift piece that could really carve them up and kind of get in between those coverage backers and those nickel guys that, you know, he's a scat back. 
He's Tariq Cohen. So, I don't know. I would not be surprised if Tariq went off this week. Well, the one thing that the Giants do have uh, that they didn't have previously is they don't have statues at the linebacker position. So, uh, the Giants did add speed at the linebacker position. We saw Blake Martinez all over the field on Monday night. Um, we just got to keep him fresh because you can tell uh, heading into that fourth quarter, they were just kind of guessed. But the one thing is that they definitely did not give up. So let's transition over to the wide receiver group for the Chicago Bears, all right? So you guys currently have Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, who, again, seems to be one of those mystical fantasy unicorns, right? This guy's always – it's Anthony Miller's year, and I've heard that for the last 22 years. So – and now you got Mooney there as well. But, Murph, I know you have something to say about uh, the Chicago Bears wide receivers. So what's the deal with A-Rob, man? I heard he was coming to the Giants, so, um, you know, I'm hearing that he demanded a trade. You mentioned uh, the reporter Biggs earlier. You know, he had said that he requested a trade, so what's the deal? 27 years old. I think we're picking him up this weekend, man. He's going to ride him on (laughs) with us. No, listen. It'd be crazy to let that man go. uh, He is by far, by far the Bears' best offensive skill position player. He's one of the best in the league. 27 years old. He's making 13 mil and the final contract of his season. Here's the sentiment in Chicago's fellas. The Bears are more concerned about signing Nick Foles and acquiring Nick Foles to sit on their bench and to sign him to a big-time contract than paying your top offensive weapon. And so the frustration among fans is, whether it's GM Ryan Pace or the owners, the McCaskies, that, Yet again, they're focusing on things instead of focusing on your best offensive playmaker. Guys, this is how negotiations go sometimes. We were, the Bears, Bears fans just have to wait this out. So Robinson was smart, though, because what he did, he removed all the Bears tags from his social media accounts. He did that, but then also all of his teammates did that as well. So now it's not just the Bear, or Robinson against the Bears front office. It's the Bears players against the Bears front office. And so, listen, when you're assessing his value, here's how you have to look at it. What are the players saying about other players? And when his teammates show that bit of solidarity within that support, that tells me all you need to know. I hope the Bears have the wherewithal to lock this guy up because he is by far this team's best player on offense, and it's not even close. Mark, I got to tell you something, though, all right? The Giants also celebrated Odell Beckham's contract, and then we traded him. He's no longer with us as well. So Shepard, Barkley, they were all dancing with him when he got paid as well. So, look, they happy for the player, but the team's going to do what they, what they want to do anyway. I agree with you. It puts a little extra pressure on the front office to get a deal done. But let me tell you, man, I could pull up old videos with, with them all dancing in the locker room when Odell got paid. It doesn't matter to the organization. And especially, too, if you guys don't win, you could be looking at a whole new regime next year. What, what's the actual, is that what the problem is, though? Does he want a new contract or is he upset with the situation? Because I haven't been able to, like, understand the whole situation, period. Think about this, too. He goes from the Bears, and then before that, he was in Jacksonville, where his quarterback was Blake Bortles. So, like, Allen Robinson, the fact that he hasn't generated more off-the-field headlines about just shenanigans and goofy behavior. If you guys want to talk about Odell Beckham Jr., we can go down a whole rabbit hole of just downright strange behavior To me, Allen Robinson's been the consummate pro here. And again, this is just, it's the art of negotiation. And I think this is just how things play out sometimes. If I'm a Bears fan, just be patient. I am very, very hopeful that the Bears front office gets it worked out because we got to lock this guy up. Again, he's by far our best player on offense. By strange things uh, on and off the field from Odell, are you talking about the Dookie incident or are you talking about when he decided to act like a dog and pee on an imaginary urinal after a touchdown? I'll, fire hydrant, I'm, not I'm a urinal. Take the, I'll take the third <laughs> option here. What about after the national championship game where he's paying players on the field and no one wants to argue whether, okay, whether college athletes should get paid or not? That's not what that was about. 
And then LSU covers for him and says, no, 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 no. This was fake money, which would have been even weirder. Like, let's be honest here, fellas, would have been even more strange. He's in the locker room partying with this, these guys. He's 27 years old. None of them were his college teammates. LSU has a different head coach. Les Miles isn't in Baton Rouge anymore, fellas. And then also slapping a police officer in the locker room in, as a postgame celebration. He's 27 years old, you guys. At some point, it's like you got to grow up and face the music. Not to mention, he also gifted the entire team a pair of Beats headphones before the game. So it's not like they needed any more gifts or any more incentives. He put his alma mater on a terrible spot. But again, why he's doing this and just, and honestly, it's just, it's odd behavior. It's just odd behavior. So that's the avenue I'll choose. I'm not trying to take away what LSU accomplished. 15-0, and 0, Joe Burrow and the boys had one of the most historic seasons. Be proud of your alma mater, no doubt. And I'm not saying you can't celebrate and be happy for them, but his behavior was just downright odd. And it's just head scratching. And it's like, he acts as if, oh, you know, or, or you know, earlier this offseason, he's saying he's misquoted from whether to play with the pandemic or not. And it's like, dude, you've been in this league long enough now. You've been in the limelight long enough now. You know how this works. You know how this works. You're smarter than this. And look, if he wants to do it for his brand and everything, that is fine. An athlete's brand is his on-field excellence. That is, that is any athlete's brand. Well, and, and I won't be convinced otherwise. You're, you're, you're making Mage mad over here because he was telling me this morning how bad he wanted Odell back. Interesting. Interesting. Man, why are you putting words shit. in my mouth? True shit. You and Chris both? Yep. Well, I mean, I, I, I got to go back. I got to look he at the said, conversation. I don't remember. Slayton and Odell would be so awesome together. Oh, you're right. They would. I'm not going to doubt that. Hey, look, matter of fact, I'll tell you what. How much of a genius would Dave Gettleman look like? Here we fucking go. Trading Odell Beckham. Right for the 17th pick, Jabril Peppers, and then getting him back for much less than what he traded him for. Whatever, man. In your fantasy world, take that over to fantasy football or some shit and get that the fuck away from my team. Here's the funniest thing, though, because yeah, his stock's going down, but I also think Odell, the player, is fine. I I just think Baker Mayfield is not as advertised. I think Odell has plenty. Mark, you're shaking your head. Odell's fine, dude. Have you? Odell seen hasn't it? been fine since he shattered the ankle. Look at bro. Baker. Look at Baker. Yeah, Baker's Murphy's upset because Murph cried. shit, but dude, he had, it, it's proven. He, Odell's he hasn't a weird been the dude. same player. Odell's a weird dude. That's you can fine. take. You can take That's the fine. whole name. We can talk the player. Odell has not been the same football player since he shattered his ankle. Yes. Well, he said he wanted to retire. And he ends every single fucking year on IR. Well, hang on. I, I'm going to dispute that. One thing I'll give Odell Beckham credit last year. He played in all 16 games last year with a sports hernia, core muscle injury. So I will give him that. But his production was down. He barely eclipsed 1,000 yards receiving. And you guys are right in the sense that he, he had three receptions on 10 targets in week one with Baker Mayfield. It's one game, but, oh, feed Odell, feed Odell, feed Odell. If you look at the games where he's, he's had more than 100 yards receiving, his teams have a losing record. Mm-hmm. So it's like, feed Odell, does that actually help you win football games? But, Mark, you know what? If I'm not mistaken – I was told that Eli Manning was the problem. <laughs> I'm not knocking Odell. Odell can still play football and be a good football player in this you league. You kind of were saying that. Odell, I was trying to defend it as, listen, Odell's playing bad, but Baker's much worse. But Odell is nothing. We got nothing. Love, no Odell love. It's okay. It's all right. I got crickets. I love Baker, but he sucks that, now. That's going to be a bad take soon. Well, <laughs> I can still love Baker and he can suck. Well, you used to love Odell too, and then when he was a giant. But I don't still like. And now you hate Like Odell's a wider. We're not getting anywhere by volume. So I mean, Mark, I still don't know if you answered anything aside from Allen Robinson. So is there anybody else that's going to step up? Yeah, how do we? I'm sorry, this This shit went off the rails. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) I mean, I would say we're professional, but we're not normally. So.
Again, Anthony Miller, that's the question mark. I'd like to see the – listen, a Bears tight end actually perform for like the first time since the team had Greg Olson way back in the day. Like for me, it's like, oh, we actually have halfway decent tight ends on our roster now. Let's use them. So for me in the passing game, okay, Anthony Miller, he's always going to be a question mark. But for me, I'd like to see the Bears get the tight ends involved just because, again – Adam Shaheen has just scarred me, boys. Does that mean Cole Komet's going to see the field? I got Cole Komet shares in Dynasty. I know, listen, they put the limbless body of Jimmy Graham out there every week, and he just does the same thing over and over again. And if you want to talk about washed-up former stars, Jimmy Graham is dying out there. Uh, but they did draft Cole Komet. Has he seen the field? I don't know if he was on the field last week. He only had one target in week one. And so, again, you spend a draft pick on him. We'll see what the team does. But only one target in week one. I'd like to see the team get him a little bit more involved in the coming weeks. Jimmy Graham's going to kind of play a little bit of a big role, though. I mean, I like him from a fantasy standpoint, especially daily fantasy. I mean, you you smile, Tino, but he was 5,500 this week and had a TD. Bro, he's the most touchdown-dependent guy. Yeah, and if he didn't have the TD, he'd give you 1.2 points and ruin your fantasy lineup. The Bears are going to need him more than the Packers <laughs> needed him, though. I'd rather pick up Caden Smith who will be cheaper than Jimmy Graham. I don't. I don't all right, it. we got a waterboard bet. Caden Smith will have more fantasy points than Jimmy Graham this week. Book it. Oh, Murph doesn't want to. I see what right, you did there. I see what you did there. Let's bet on. Yeah. Uh, 25 was- bucks. Everybody heard it. Tino is a degenerate. I got your uh, game pass. I didn't – you know, you want to do money? I, uh, I was talking waterboards, but it's – all right, hey. <laughs> I, know you, I know what you like. Listen, all right, we can do money. We can do money. It's only money. That's fine. I, I, I've lost control here, Mark. I'm sorry. I'm not even sure what we're doing anymore. <laughs> um, Did you not take your medicine, Mesh? Somebody's going to bring out You don't know what's going on again? You guys, the real everything. I swear to God, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to drive this train, and you guys are just taking it right off the cliff. There's a, there's a sign that says "Do not enter, road not finished," and you guys just keep fucking going. You just keep barreling right along. Jesus fucking Christ! I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, Mark. I'm gonna apologize to Mark. I don't have to apologize to you guys. Thank no, you. It's, it's Mark's fault. Oh, it's Mark. <laughs> so Mark apologizes to us, actually. Yeah, Mark apologizes. Mark apologizes. Right <laughs> sorry, sorry, fellas. <laughs> Jesus. All right. You know what? I, I I don't even know where we are anymore. Mark, tell me what the Bears' key to a win is versus the New York Giants here. What do they need to do? What do they need to stop on New York? I know you highlighted some of it already, but sum it up for us. Saquon's huge. Now the Bears entered this game as a five-point favorite. A key I have my eye on is Cairo Santos appears like he's going to be the kicker because Eddie Pinheiro's on IR. Are the Bears going to have any kicking problems moving forward with that decision? Something not a lot of people are talking about headed into this game, but that's something that I've got my eye on as well. And again, too, when is Robert Quinn going to come back for the Bears from a defensive standpoint? This was the Bears' big get from a defensive standpoint this offseason. He could really help this defense solidify things after giving up 426 yards to the Lions in week one. Like we said before, that was also without Kenny Galladay, Matt Stafford's top receiver. So aside from the kicking game, what do you want to see them focus on? Obviously, we talked about Mitch Trubisky, didn't have a good game, suddenly appeared in the fourth quarter. So you talked about getting the tight ends a little more involved, right? You want to see them establish the run game. So there was the weak part of this Giants defense was probably at boundary corners outside of James Bradbury. So, I mean, a guy like Anthony Miller has to be able to step up, right? Or Mooney. Somebody else has to step up outside of Allen Robinson. Bradbury's probably going to be uh, tasked with that coverage, mm-hmm. right? I think that the Giants have a much more athletic linebacking core, and that front four is pretty nasty. They can get after you. We saw Dexter Lawrence barrel down on uh, Ben Roethlisberger, who's, who's mobile and kind of tough to get down as well. So I think the Giants' front four is going to be okay. Uh, so how do you want to see the Bears attack them? I think you bring up a great point trying to get either Mooney or Miller established. I would like to see Mitch Trubisky play a more complete game because take out his fourth quarter stats again, eight of 10, 89 yards, three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That's great production, but take that away from his game overall. 
And again, if you would have looked at this game for the first two quarters, really three quarters of the game, Trubisky was getting absolutely trashed on social media and for good reason too. People were already calling for the team to bring in Nick Foles. I think without Trubisky played, it, he deserves another start. And again, he's on a short leash this season, but I would expect him to play for all of week two, regardless of how he plays. I think he has earned that right. I would like to see him put a full game together though. Murph, why don't you give me the Giants' offensive keys to this game? What do they need to do on offense in order to be able to win? And then, Tino, why don't you follow Murph up with the defensive side? What do they need to do to stop them? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious for us. We have to get that running game going to let Danny be able to operate a little bit more. I mean, we weren't able to take many shots last week, so we got to be able to get the vertical game going a little bit. Everything was kind of short, 10-out slants and um, curls and stuff like that. But well, I mean, I know we got Slayton on that deep ball, but we have to kind of like what Mark just said, we got to have a more complete offense on, on Mon or on Sunday. Um, and it all starts with Saquon, man. And I would love to see some changes on the airline. Don't see it happening. So we're going to be rolling again with the same guys. Defensively. I'd like to see a similar game plan that uh, they had against Pittsburgh, other than play man in the red zone for consecutive drives. Um, I think they got to get pressure on Mitch and try to remotely keep him in the pocket. I think, you know, his legs are sneaky, and I think it's actually a big key to his game and his success makes him a viable fantasy quarterback. So um, if we do send blitzes, we got to get home and we got to contain. So that, that's a big thing. Uh, but I would like to see the game, uh, same game plan uh, on third downs, go exotic, do what they're doing, stand everyone up, confuse Mitch, make him make a read. And uh, try to have him beat you with his arm, which with with or without Allen Robinson, if he's playing or not, is gonna be it's gonna be a challenge for him. I think his accuracy is always in question. Murph, does Allen Robinson get on the plane with the New York Giants coming back to New York? No, but I expect him to have a big game because he has a big game every single week. So um, the one thing that you talked about was definitely the way that James Bradbury paid, played last week. So assuming that he's going to shadow Allen Robinson, you still think that A-Rob has a big game? I guess that comes down to Mitch Trubisky, doesn't it, guys? I mean, yeah. if the Giants can get pressure on Mitch Trubisky, he falters when he's flustered, rather. So uh, when you get pressure on him, I think Tino brings up a really good point. You want to kind of keep Mitch Trubisky in the pocket because his legs are actually an asset to him. I think so, we're going to get that going, though. I mean, we had it going on the Steelers, man. So I expect us to have a pretty fierce pass rush. I, I mean, uh, no offense, but I, I think the Bears' O-line's a little bit of a step behind what we just saw. Obviously, they had some changes up there, too. But call me a hummer, but I liked what I saw from our front seven the other night. So I'm not – I mean, I'm not really worried about Mitch, not going to lie. One thing I would say about Trubisky, too, is a lot of Bears fans forget he used – playing with a shoulder injury in his left shoulder as well last season. And so that definitely limited his ability to run the ball, his ability to roll outside of the pocket where the Bears from an offensive standpoint many times will make him only read half of the field, not the entire field to simplify things for him as a young quarterback. So that is a, an injury of the past, but that was one of the struggles last season with Trubisky in the sense that he was really playing hurt last year with that shoulder injury. All right, Mark, so what is your outlook for the game? Give us your prediction. I think the Bears cover. Uh, I like the Bears at home. You're not call me, call me a homer. <laughs> call me a homer. I, I like the Bears. I, I really do. I think – this defense is going to play better than they did in week one. Really, to me, the key is whether or not the Bears can establish the running game. They were able to do it in week one. I'm confident they can do it in week two. You know, Murph, you said earlier about both of these teams don't really have an identity. That is one thing that this Giants defense has done dating back to last year is they have been able to stop the running game from a defensive standpoint. If the Bears can run the ball, I like them to win. I like them to cover that five-point spread. Let's go with Murph. We'll save the degenerate gambler for less. I don't know, man. Mark just said it. We just don't have those identities yet. Yes, we do have the identity on the, the defensive side with the, the run game. But I want to say we're going to put some points on the board, man, because we should have had probably 13 or at least 10 more points than we had last week. 
But I, I see it being similar. I see it being similar, but us us as the, the top dog, 24-16, something like that. So hearing Mark gas up the Steelers, I mean, you would think that we played the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm really going to hang on to Mark's word here, and I'm going to believe that we hung in there for three quarters, and we really gave it our all. So I think that the Giants walk away with a win versus the Bears, 23-17. I like that too. Uh, that's actually what was going to be my prediction. I'll hit you with a Price is Right move, and I'll say 24-17. Get you a dollar ahead, and you'll be stuck at that number. But um, I think the Giants will easily cover this, even if it's close. Uh, I just don't see the Bears uh, with enough juice, at least offensively, to uh, – outrun the Giants on a five and a half spread. So I like the Giants to cover if you don't feel safe enough on money line, but I'll definitely take them to win this game outright. I like them by a touchdown. Not been a damn thing on this fucking game. Not a damn thing. Not even a, a penny. Except for a well, Katie Smith touchdown. Yeah, you're right, Bettina. Okay, that's fine. But like <laughs> yeah, and I'm on the Bears side for that. So fuck that. But dude, I this team no idea, man. Don't know what to expect. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. I know that this was uh, kind of went off the rails a little bit thanks to these two clowns. But, hey, you know what? That's the type of show that we run here. We are a clown show. So, um, no, I appreciate you doing this. We're certainly going to have you back again when the Giants face the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Cleveland Browns. And who knows what other team you're covering by then. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you and what you're doing. Well, fellas, thanks for having me. That's part of the fun is when you go off the rails a little bit. Again, uh, on social media, I'm at MD Bergen, M-D-B-E-R-G-I-N. You can follow my work on the Believe in Steelers podcast with Ike Taylor, 12-year NFL veteran, two-time Super Bowl champion. We break down the Pittsburgh Steelers week in and week out. Also helping launch the Browns Nation Station, Cleveland Browns podcast on behalf of of brownsnation.com so again you can find me there and fellas i really appreciate you having me on tonight well lucky for you mark we live off the rails so that's the way the show always goes for us <laughs> but again really appreciate you coming on uh appreciate your friendship appreciate uh you know the working relationship that we have so far too and looking uh for many more episodes so that's going to wrap up this episode of clapback sports thank you to everybody for listening peace and love everyone 